Good morning. Uh, hey, we're glad you're here today. And uh, I wanted to let you know that right after church today, we're going to have something called uh, soup, sandwich, and Sundays. So if you don't have lunch plans and you'd like to stay for some soup, sandwich, and Sundays, uh, it'll be upstairs. And you can just come and enjoy that time for us to kind of connect and uh, hang out. I did not cook anything, so it'll be good, all right? Hey, I'd like to begin this morning uh, with this statement, and this is it. Nothing compares to a good story. Uh, Stories are just something that people love. I mean, you get two people together, and immediately uh, a story uh, takes place. I noticed it with my uh, parents and my kids. You put a a grandchild on a grandparent's lap, and eventually there's like these stories that just start building and growing back and forth. You have two strangers that are stuck in an airport, and they're waiting on their plane uh, for uh, some reason. Eventually, all of a sudden, there's these stories uh, that transpire and take place. Or you have two guys that are out fishing, and they begin to start telling uh, about the biggest fish they ever caught, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger uh, until they have no more room to do that. But everyone uh, loves stories. Now, no one likes a conversation like this, though. A person walks up to another person, how are you? Fine. How are you? Fine. Okay, have a good one. And then you, like, bolt and go your separate directions. Uh, and why don't we like conversations like that? Because there's no story that is connected to it. For example, if uh, I were to tell you a story today about a mariachi band, a fifth of tequila, and a cat, how many of you would like to hear that story? You ready for it? I don't have that story, okay? Uh, But if I did, that would be one that you would like to hear. (laughs) I was talking to somebody in the first celebration, and we go to Puerto Vallarta every once in a while, and he's like... Dude, I could tell you a story about that, you know. (laughs) Kind of scared me just a little bit. I'm not sure. Um, But we all love stories because we understand as small children how important stories are. So this morning what I'd like to do, just uh, have some fun, I'm going to give you three stories and to see if you can tell me what that story is, okay? So here's the first one. Uh, Once there was a poor girl who was forced to work very hard for her stepmother. One night, her fairy godmother magically created a beautiful ball gown and glass slippers for her. She went to the ball, met the prince, and they lived happily ever after. And that story is what? Cinderella. Look at that. That's good. Somebody said Frozen in the first one. I'm like, you guys are so much smarter than the first celebration people. So here's another one. Once upon a time, there was a little girl who uh, wandered into a woods where she saw a house. She ate some porridge that was in the house, sat in the people's chairs, finally fell asleep in the smallest one's bed. She was awakened by the family of three when she was frightened, and she ran all the way home. And that story is what? Goldilocks. That's right, Goldilocks and the three bears. Here's the last one. There were three pork brothers... On a building adventure. 
One built their house out of straw, the other out of twigs, and another out of brick. Along came a big bad villain who blew down the straw in the twig house, but when he got to the brick house, it did not move. And that story is what? Three little pigs. That's right. Uh, you are uh, literature scholars. I can tell you have you are well read. Now, why is it that you knew those stories immediately? Because you heard them over and over and over again. And when we're young, one of the things that we long for is to listen to stories and then to tell stories. I mean, my kids can tell some whopper stories because stories are powerful. And that's our big idea this morning, and you can uh, fill it out in your program or on our JAR app, but it's this. Stories are powerful. Stories are powerful. Your story, folks, is powerful. Every time we have first steps with Chris and people share their story, it's powerful. And you can tell some people are like, no one wants to listen to my story. Yes, they do. We want to, God wants to hear your story because stories are powerful. Now, the very first story begins like this. Uh, The very first story ever written begins like this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's the first story that was ever told. And what God does from this is he continues to create. And he creates more and more and more and more and more until he finally gets to the pinnacle of his creation, his masterpiece, you, human beings. And he creates them and he says, this is so good. And then he continues this creation story by telling story after story after story in his words called the Bible. And one of the reasons why we want to challenge people why it's so important for you to read the Bible, just take 15 minutes a day in your favorite chair uh, to, to chill out and to read something is because the stories are powerful and there are words in this book that can give you life, that can give you strength. In fact, James, uh, Jesus's brother, said this in James 1.18. He said it was a happy day for God... When he gave us our new lives through the truth of the word. And we became, as if it were, the first children in his new family. You see, when God was in heaven and he was looking down on planet earth, he wasn't lonely. He wasn't like, I'm so lonely, I need some people around me. Because people cause a lot of problems. The reason why he created people and he wanted people around him is because he wanted a family. And James tells us that we were the first of his creation. He looked to us and he desired a relationship with us. Folks, stories are powerful. And stories that are in this book give us wise words and gentle words and kind words and words that are grace-filled and that are uh, filled with love. So my question for you this morning, that if these kind of words are in God's word, the Bible, then what about your words? What kind of words have you been expressing lately? Are these the kind of words that are in the Bible that come out of your mouth? Gentle words, kind words, loving words, grace-filled words, wise words. Now... 
Many of you would probably say, oh, yeah, 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 those are the kind of words I use. But let me ask you this. If we polled your family about what kind of words come out of your mouth, what would they say? What would your friends say? What would your coworkers say? What would your neighbors say? What comes out of your mouth? Would they say that every single day the words that come out of your mouth are filled with encouragement and filled with love for the people around them? Would they say that you're a kind of person that never tears a person down, but you're always building another person up? Let's just take for this morning, for example. What were the last words that you said before you left your house? And who did you say them to? What were the last words that you said before you walked into church today? Were they words that were building people up? Or were they words like, you are always late. You're driving me crazy. Get in that car. Boy, if you don't get in that car and you're just like about ready to take that kid out. So what kind of words did you have today? Were they life-giving and filled with Love and grace, or, well, maybe not so much. It's really interesting that God gives us the power of words. That God allows power to dwell in our actual words. They occupy power when we share them. Have you ever heard this phrase before? Sticks and stones will break your bones, but what? Now, I don't know who, I looked this week, I don't know who came up with that saying. But that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. I mean, it's absolutely the dumbest phrase I've ever... If you have kids, don't teach your kids that because that's dumb. It's very dumb. The phrase is not true at all. In fact, it's a lie. Words can hurt. I would even uh, venture to say that words hurt a person's life More than sticks or stones. Because sticks and stones eventually can be healed. But words sometimes have power to destroy a person and their life forever. And our words, folks, your words can either be used to build people up or to tear them down. So, how are you doing with your words? What would you say right now? Would you give yourself an A, a B, A C or something south of that. What are your words? Folks, words are powerful. And I've just been thinking about it, that if words are so powerful, what if we got really, really good at sharing our words with the people around us who are far from God, who don't know Jesus, who are disconnected from Christ and the church? What if we got really good with sharing good words? What if we could put the kibosh on the culture that says everyone who is a Christ follower, everyone who goes to church is judgmental, rigid, arrogant, and uptight. I mean, what if our words and then our actions followed it and it looked differently? What would they say about God's family then? What if we left from this place and we were filled with powerful words of stories of love and grace with other people? What would the world say about that? What if our words were humble and caring and filled with things that build people up and not tear them down? Could we show people that actually Christians tell the truth? 
Not just part of the time, but all the time they tell the truth. And you know what else? They, they really care for the poor. They don't just have lip service. They actually care for them and that they're generous people. I just believe that if, if we became those type of people who walked across rooms with powerful stories, with encouraging words, and we acted in the way that Christ acted, that people would really open themselves up to the things of God. So what I'd like to do is share with you two keys or two tools that you could use starting this week that will really elevate your game in being able to help people open up to God's story. Here's the first one. God has a story, and you need to learn to tell it well. Almighty God, he has a story, and you need to learn to tell it well. Did, did you know that your friends and your family and your coworkers, they are open to the things of God? I, I read this week a story by George uh, Barna, who is a, a private nonpartisan research group. And the Barna group came together and they found that close to 50% of all unchurched Americans are open to spiritual conversations and willing to learn about things of God if someone would just talk to them. And as your words are shared with them, if they're expressed with encouragement and love and grace, that, and we develop friendships and we discover stories like we talked about last week, that God is going to blow up our world, spiritually speaking, because people will become attracted to those kind of things. But the question is, if someone came up to you and they wanted to know something about God or Jesus, what would you say to them? I mean, what would you say if your coworker tomorrow pulls you aside and says, hey, I, I know you go to church. Uh, I wondered if you could tell me a little bit about God or Christ. I mean, what would that look like? For some of you, just me kind of talking about this right now, you're getting nervous. You're like, I don't know what I would say. I would be like, well, go to the Internet. They talk about God there a lot. Folks, that is not the response you want to make. So if you don't know God's story, then how can you share it? And the way that you learn it is by reading Scripture, coming here, and then doing something. But the reality is, folks, a lot of times people will say, well, I don't know enough about the Bible yet for me to be able to share God's story. And that's just ludicrous. All of us know something, and I'm going to share with you here in just a little bit what I think is a plan that can help you to really be able to know God's story and to share it in a way that is time-tested. It's a tried-and-true way to express God's story. And if you want to kind of just have the illustration if you want to write it on the side it's called the bridge that's what it is the bridge illustration if you were here on easter you might remember we had this gigantic bridge and people walked across it to make a commitment maybe you did for the first time and when you're with a person you don't have a gigantic bridge that you can pull out and say hey come across this but you could actually 
share this illustration with them. I mean, the next time a friend of yours comes up and says, Hey, Joe. Now, if your name isn't Joe, don't respond back, okay? But if it is, Christians are weird enough, so, you know. But if they come up and they ask you, Hey, could you tell me a little bit about this? You can just pull out a piece of paper, a napkin, and you can do this illustration that I've found is very helpful. Now, for starters, the way that you're going to do this, in your program, we're going to show you how to do this. Um, And for starters, you have to let people know that there are two beings, that there is us and there is God. There are two people, us and God. So there's us and there's God. And between us and God, because of sin that came into the world, there is a chasm or there is a gap between us and God. I mean, we have a tendency as human beings since Adam and Eve to do whatever the opposite is of what God asks. So if God asks us to do one thing, we have a tendency to go the opposite direction, 180 degrees. That's called sin, not doing what God wants you to do. Now, just by a show of hands, how many of you have ever sinned in your life before? Okay? Now, if anyone did not raise their hand, two things. Either one, they're asleep, so wake up. Or number two, they're a liar. Because everyone sins. Every single one of us do that. So the dilemma that people face is that here I am on this left side and I want to get to God, but I can't do it. But maybe I can. And so we start having an arrow that's directed towards God and we start doing things in our own effort to get us there. We enter this sense of human effort. We're exerting our effort to get us there. And what are things that people do? Some of the things that they do is they will be a helpful neighbor to the person beside them. They're like, oh, that'll get me closer to God. Or they'll say something like, well, I'll pay my taxes. Like if I pay my taxes, then that will get me closer to God. Or if I pray or if I read my Bible or if I give some money to a charity or maybe if I even came to church, that would get me closer to God. Now, there's nothing wrong with all of those things that I just stated. The only problem is, is that ultimately, you're not the bridge builder. You can't do enough good things to get to the other side. And so, in the end, we realize that all our human effort in the world will never get us to that other side. Now, the sins that we've committed have to be punished. For example... Parents who are good parents realize that if you do something wrong, there has to be a punishment for it. And so if a child does something wrong, there may be discipline or punishment. If you don't do anything, uh, that doesn't help them at all. So God the Father said, well, there is a punishment to sin, your sin and my sin, and this is the punishment. And it's not going to be good, folks. It'll be at the bottom of it. But it's death. And no one likes to talk about death. No one wants to talk about their own death or anyone else's death. But Scripture is very clear that the wages of sin is death. Our sin creates death to us, both spiritually and physically. Now, if you look at that, you're like, well, that kind of stinks. 
I mean, what am I going to do? I mean, if my sin causes death to me physically and spiritually, how can I get across to the other side? Well, thankfully, God looked at us and he said, well, I've got a plan B because you guys can't figure it out yourself. It's actually been my plan A since the beginning of time, but I just didn't share because I thought maybe you people could do it, but you can't. So his solution was that he would send his one and only son to serve as a bridge builder. And so Jesus comes and he becomes this bridge builder and dies on a cross, one death, a perfect death for all of the sin of the world, which should cause death so that we could have eternal life with him. And I'm just telling you folks, if you want to know what the central message is, you get good at learning to do this illustration. To let people know that there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. There's nothing you can do to make God love you less. And there's nothing you can do that can get you to God on your own without a relationship with Jesus. And it's not enough just to know about this or think about this, but you actually have to act upon it. God wants us to move over to the other side. He really does. God is on the move, but he will not force any human being. You have to take that walk yourself. But if you do, what happens is is that God the Father is on the other side, and he warmly welcomes you in love and grace to be in a relationship as his adopted son and daughter. So, if you remember nothing else from this bridge illustration, just remember this. Jesus Christ came... To be a bridge builder for you. And when you make that decision, you are guaranteed a relationship with God for the rest of your life. You see how simple that would be to be able to share to one of your friends, coworker, neighbor? Just show them that he's the bridge builder. And here's the scripture that actually Jesus tells us this is the way it is. He says, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. A while back, I was uh, having a lunch with a woman who was struggling financially uh, big time. And we kind of built a friendship. She started attending the jar And she and her daughter and her granddaughter uh, started coming. And in the middle of our lunch together, she just kind of blurted out this to me. She goes, I want this relationship that I hear about on Sundays, but I don't think I'm good enough. And I said, well, why, why do you not think you're good enough? She says, well, I smoke. I said, well, I love all smokers. God loves all smokers. That's... That's not bad. We want every smoker in all of East Central Indiana to come to the jar because that doesn't do one thing or another. Well, I smoke. Well, okay, well, we got rid of that one, so what else? She said, well, I struggle with debt. My daughter and I have a strained relationship, and I've just not lived a very good life. I said, okay. And she she said, now, I want you to know I'm not a horrible person, but... There are some things that I've done in my past that are really ugly. And I said, well, 
I think I could share something with you because I know you're still trying to have this relationship with God. So I pulled the server aside and I said, hey, could you bring me a, a, just a scrap piece of paper and a pen? She's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And so I did this bridge illustration that I just showed you and trained you on. And I tried to explain it the best way that I could. And finally, I just asked her this question. So where do you think you're at on this walk? Are, are you all the way to the left side that you're, you're not so sure about who God is and, and what God is about? Are you there? Are you maybe almost to the middle of that chasm to where you're, you're open to things of Jesus, but you just don't know quite yet? Are you all the way to the right where you fully walked across the bridge because of your belief that Jesus died and rose again and that he's the only way to have a relationship with God? And this is what she told me. She said, well, I think I'm kind of like right in the middle. Now, at that point, I said, well, hallelujah, we're going to get you to the other side. You know any Christ followers who do that? They hurt people every single time when they do that. They really do. Because it's not your responsibility to convert or transform hearts, not to twist arms. It's to build a friendship over and over again until they can finally see that the reason your life has changed is because of what Christ has done for you. And so at that point, I said, well, hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm so excited that that's where you're at. And I said, I think I have a resource that might help you because she had already gotten to the point where she believed in God. and She understood God. She just wasn't all the way to a point of a relationship. And I got her this book called The Purpose Driven Life. And she read this book and I prayed with her right in that moment. And then she went ahead and she got plugged into a small group Uh, Someone mentored her, and her life was changed. But it didn't happen in that moment. Now, folks, I realize that this bridge illustration isn't always going to create the moment that you want, but it's at least a start. And it allows people to start thinking of spiritual things. And there may be some other illustration that's much better than that. I'm just saying this. When someone asks you those questions, have humble words. Have wise words, have healing words, have grace-filled words, have loving words with other people. Folks, again, you're not responsible for converting or transforming a person. God's got that. He's just simply saying, anytime that I open a door for you, would you walk through it in the best that you can to be able to share my love with whoever that is? You see, folks, God has a story, and we need to learn to tell it well. Here's the second thing. And that is, you have a story. You have a powerful story. Your story is really important. And you need to learn to tell it well. Not only does God have a story, but you have a story too. Folks, I want you to know that if you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, that you have a powerful story to be able to tell. I mean, regardless of how old you were when you came to faith, regardless of how young you were, that this is the truth. All of us uh, have a before Christ, 
before I gave my life to Christ, and we all have an after Christ. And those two stories should look different. If not, you need to go and figure it out. But what your life was like before Christ should, your after Christ story should look very, very different. Take for instance, there's a story in the Bible about a blind man in John chapter 9. And and the story goes like this. There's this guy who he's been blind his whole life. He's never seen anything. And one day he meets Jesus and Jesus restores his sight. And he goes back home and people are like, hey, what about this Jesus guy? And this is simply what the guy said. He said, well, before Jesus, I was blind. And then I met him. And then now I see. And they're like, oh, come on, come on, come on. Tell us more. He's like, no, no, no. I don't know what anyone else's story is, but I'm just telling you this is my story. I once was blind, but now I can see. Well, why should I get to know Jesus? He would say, I'm telling you, I was blind, I met Christ, and now I can see. How about the guy named Zacchaeus that we talked about last week? Remember him? He was all about money, 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 money. He's like, I want as much money as I can get. I'm going to cheat people. I'll steal. I'll do whatever. But his whole life was about money. And one day, he sees this guy, Jesus, walking down a road, but he's a short man, and he can't see him. So he gets in a tree, and then Jesus says, Zacchaeus, come down here. I'm going to have dinner with you today. And he meets Jesus, and then he decides, I'm going to pay back four times as much to everyone I cheated, and I'm going to give half of my possessions away to the poor. And Zacchaeus, for the rest of his life, People would come up to him and say, hey, 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 something's different about you. What has changed? He said, well, my before Christ was that I was all about money and the greed had gripped me and it was all money, all money, all the time. And then one day I met Jesus and then my life after him has been the fact that now I give it away to the poor, half of all that I have. And I don't cheat people out of money anymore. You ever hear the story about the woman who was found committing adultery in the Bible? There's this woman who they find her having adultery with another man. And so the religious, legalistic leaders, they grab her. They throw her into the public square. They all pick up a stone. They're getting ready to stone her. And Jesus walks in. He goes, hey, any of you who have never sinned, let's go ahead. Let's throw a stone at her. And all of a sudden you start hearing this. Drop, 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 drop. Everyone starts dropping. Jesus is the only one who has a rock, and he like drops it and he goes, Hey woman, we love you. I love you. Don't worry about what those other people think. I love you. And because I love you, go and live a different kind of life. Go and sin no more. And that was her story. And just think. People would go up to her and go, Hey, Tell me your story. And she said, well, I was consumed by sexual sin. I was committing adultery. And then one day, Jesus 
came into my life. And he's the first man that helped me to realize that I was beautiful. Not because of my body, but because there is a God who loves me and all of me. And then he says, and after, and she says, after I met him, now my life is filled with love for other people and I want to give his love away. Folks, did you realize that all of you have just as powerful stories as these three that I just shared? Because you have the same pattern. Everybody has a before when they met Christ and then what their life has been like after that. And people around you, your friends, co-workers, neighbors, they're searching, they're seeking, they're wanting to know what difference has God made in your life? What difference has it made at all? What was your life like before? What was your life like after? And so a simple and powerful way to be able to tell your story is to start thinking about in your head, what was my life like before Christ and what is your life like after Christ. Now, I have listened to dozens and dozens and dozens of people's stories about faith. And I don't know why it is, but many times, because I'm a pastor, they feel like they need to tell me the whole thing. And they'll start talking and talking and talking. And sometimes it's just so painful because I'm like, you're telling me a story that is so out of whack. And so out of control. And no one who is far from God is going to come to God because of your story right now. Why? Because it's too much. Have you ever been on the receiving side of someone telling you a story and you look at it and you're like, ah, they fumble it, they bumble it, they mess up with the whole thing. And maybe, just maybe we could do better. But all of us, have had that experience before of a story that just did not come across very well. Let's look at a few stories right now on the side screen. Here's the thing. I didn't realize how screwed up I was until I met this guy at the train station. But before I get to that, I've got to give you a little bit about my background. Even after that, I still had a wild and crazy upbringing. Take my school bus rides, for example. You know, I met my wife there. She was a real looker. This guy comes up and sits right next to me and starts talking to me. I mean, you don't talk to people on the train that you don't know, right? I think I've always believed in something. Or wanted to believe in something. I think humans have a deep need to believe. You know, there's a a longing for significance, meaning. We've got this spirit force in us that's longing to be tapped and set free. I pray all the time now. I pray for friends like you, you know, whose, whose lives are going nowhere. I pray for understanding that God will help me know what's wrong with people so that, you know, I can be a lifesaver for them. I'm giving up a storm. <laughs> yeah, just ask my kids. Uh, they'll say that, you know, I am the primo dad of the universe. Just ask my church. Ask them who donated the money for the new wing. 
thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord, a royal diadem in the hand of God. Thou shalt no longer be termed forsaken. Thou shalt be called Hesphapah. <laughs> and thy land, Beulah, the Lord delighted in thee. <laughs> wow. You know, have you ever been on the receiving end of one of those before? And it, it doesn't help the kingdom. It really doesn't. And yet, for some reason, people do this all the time. And so I just think that we can do better. I think we can do much better in sharing our stories. And I want to give you just kind of rapid fire style, uh, kind of four things. Some of them w- were just in that video of ways that you can tell your story better. And I want to challenge you this week to think about being able to write your story before Christ and after Christ in a hundred words or less. So here's the first kind of suggestion I have for you to be more effective. Don't make your story too long. Make it brief. I mean, there are people who start on October 1st, but it isn't until Christmas, until they're like done with their story. This goatee grew one time by listening to a person's story. You know what I mean? I mean, just don't make it so long and so overwhelming. Folks, for the love of God and neighbors and your family and friends, tell it briefly, okay? Very briefly, and then allow the person to actually ask some questions in the midst of that. Here's the second thing. Don't make your story fuzzy. I mean, a story always derails when it gets real fuzzy out there. Don't talk about Christian books that you assume they've read because they haven't. Don't uh, talk about some supernatural experiences you've had. I mean, you know, don't talk about the aisle that you walked down or, you know, the angel that appeared in your room or anything like that. I mean, we all have weird God stories. They're important. I'm not making less of them. I'm just saying when you're talking to someone who is disconnected from Christ or the church, you don't have to say, well, you know, my daughter Shiloh, when she was two, she told me she saw an angel in the room. And you and I, do you know about angels? Let me tell you about angels. No, 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 no. That's a great story for me and Shy to kind of have a sense of that. But I don't need to tell that to someone else. Don't tell weird God stories to other people. Make it brief. Don't make it fuzzy. Next thing, don't use religious terminology. I, I love when the lady goes, me Hezbollah. You know, like, don't start using all these words that you would never use anyways. Sanctification, justification, salvation, or even things that have kind of eked their way in. Things like, well, did you know what? I have been saved by Jesus Christ. I've been saved. He's my personal Lord and Savior. He saved me. And people are like, well, I don't even know what saved means, you know. Talk like you normally would. Maybe clean it up a little bit for some of you, but, but, but talk, you know what I mean, as you normally would, um, and, and just use real words. That's what people want. Here's the last thing. Don't use a hint of superiority. Not a hint of superiority. No preaching, no judgment, no, hey, I've got it all together. I mean, if you want to send 
a non-church person heading towards the hills, if you want to permanently damage their openness to things of God, start telling them about how much your life is together and theirs isn't. But if they just acted more like you, maybe their life would be. Most of my life, I wore a mask. I acted like I always had it together. And I got tired and worn out, always trying to please other people, impress other people, make other people think I was something that I wasn't. And when I turned 26, I met the fullness of who Jesus was, that he loved me as is, that there was nothing I could do to make him love me more, and there was nothing I could do to make him love me less. And I stopped faking and wearing a mask. And when I did that, I had freedom and acceptance and love. And I finally realized for the first time in my life that God loved me just because of me. You know who started? That's fine. Thank you, God. You know, that's my story. I just told you my story in less than a minute, and it's less than a hundred words. And you can do the same. So I want to challenge you between now and next week to write your story and email it to me. What was your life like before Christ? And then what has your life been like after Christ in a hundred words or less? And you can do this. Then you can just send it to me at chrisatthejar.org. Okay? But a hundred words, that's all I'm asking, before Christ and then after Christ. Just make it brief, humble. Don't ramble. If you send me something that is single space with two pages on it, watch out because I'm coming after you, okay? That's not a hundred words. Also, if you have some weird God story, don't even push send because I'll rip that one up too, okay? And don't be arrogant. There shouldn't be any arrogance in the story whatsoever. If there is, I'll come to your house and tell you, quit being arrogant, okay? But folks, getting your story right is so important, and I hope that all of you will take up on this challenge. Don't sit on the sidelines this week, but actually say, I'm going to do this, and I'll write some encouraging things to you, and if I see something that, hey, maybe you could try this, I'll give that as well. But sharing your story is important. Your story is powerful. And when God's story and your story are blended together, it is the most beautiful concept and story that can be told to impact people's lives. Because your story matters. And when you take your story and God's story and you share it, it draws people to God. So I hope many of you will do that. Well, hey, let's stand for a closing prayer and uh, we'll be done. I'm going to invite our uh, prayer team to come up right now. They'll be on both sides of the stage. Uh, If you'd like prayer for anything, uh, they would love uh, to pray with you. And I was thinking about it that maybe for some of you, when I did that bridge illustration, for the first time in your life, like it made sense. You're like, there's nothing that can get me to God in my own effort But it has to be a relationship with Christ. And now that you know his story, you're like, I I want his story in my life. I want his forgiveness. I want his love. 
I want his grace. I want all of those things to bless my life. And if today is your day, you're feeling like uh, some kind of prompting within your spirit that, that today I should make that commitment. Back in the left-hand corner, Chuck Mock is there. And he would love to simply pray with you, give you a Bible. There won't be any weird, uh, overwhelming things, but just a chance for you to make a commitment to Christ today. And uh, right after this, I'd encourage you uh, to do that. Well, uh, we will close in prayer. And then remember, we have uh, soup, sandwich, and Sundays that will be upstairs. And you can uh, enjoy that as well. So let's pray. Well, God, thank you so much for stories. And God, we thank you most of all for your story. That you look down upon your people who deserved death itself. And you said, no, I'll send my one and only son as a substitute because he is perfect and he will take on all death and he'll be the substitute for all people so that they can walk across the bridge into a relationship with me that no longer will their sin separate. I will send the bridge builder. Help us, God, to understand that story more and more and to be able to tell our own story about what our life was like before we got connected to you and what it's like since we've met you. God, thank you for choosing to allow story to be the most powerful tool that can be used to help people draw closer to you. That when God's story and our story are woven together, that they listen to you. And so, Jesus, I pray right now that one friend or coworker or neighbor might hear our story before the end of the year, that we would take the risk to do that. And this week, we'd begin that process by writing our story and sending it to me and, and working at being able to share that so that your name would be made great. God, thank you for every person in this place today. Bless their life in great ways so that your name would ultimately be lifted up. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, everybody.